Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the YouthWork State of Mind podcast, the podcast for anyone interested or involved with Christian youth work. Joining me for every episode is the youth advisor for Blackburn Diocese, Ben. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. How's it going? I'm good. This is our first evening recording session. I have to confess, my my body's a little confused. We normally do this first thing in the morning. <laughs> Yep. So um, I've been up a long time today before this, but yeah, no, I'm doing well, doing well. But it's weird looking out the window and it's dark, so. I've got a mix of lighting on my face at the moment. I've got bright white blue light from my computer screens and warm orange yellow light from my ceiling light, so I look a bit odd. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a real, real show off here, but I have my ring light just here. Your makeup tutorials, Ben. The one I bought for makeup <laughs> tutorials on Insta. Yeah. And yeah, that one. I look forward to seeing those. Yeah. They've been promised for a while. I don't think they're coming anytime soon. So every week we're going to have some guests on to talk about different aspects of youth ministry and to have a bit of fun along the way. Today we're going to be delving into the topic of evangelism. And as ever, we have some fantastic people to talk it through. So tell me your name. What do you do? And super controversial question, friends or Big Bang Theory? Well, my name's Dan Randall. Um, I help lead something called Hope Together, which resources churches around the UK and um, maybe soon a bit further afield. And um, I also help lead a great local church called Life Church Lancashire. Our building is in Burnley, but people all across East Lancashire, which is cool. And friends or Big Bang? For me, that's really easy. And if I gave another answer, then my wife would probably, who knows, <laughs> consequence, but it has to be friends. Wow. Okay. Go for the friends. Are you banned from watching Big Bang Theory? Is that what it is? No, 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 no. We've, uh, <clears throat> we've toyed with the idea. It's just friends is just superior. It's the, it's the royal royalty of all those kind of shows. Well, we know where Dan stands. Yes. <laughs> Drawing a line in the sand there. There's a definitely, <laughs> definitely something there. I'm Alice. Um, I'm originally from Lincoln, but I'm currently living in Manchester where I'm doing a gap year with a Christian organisation called the Message Trust, all about evangelism and mission and fun stuff like that. Um, and if I had to pick between the two, Honestly, I haven't really seen either of them. Maybe I'm a bit young. I don't know. But if I had to pick, I'd pick Friends. My best friend, she loves that programme. And if I didn't say that, yeah, I have to say that. There you go. It's friends Dan is applauding. Dan's so proud of himself. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> I'm on the winning team today. To be fair, he's a Burnley fan. So he's someone yeah, probably on a winning side somewhere, isn't he? So... <laughs> I don't know when this podcast goes out, but it's, you know, it's late November and we got our first win this week of the season. Yeah. Hi, I'm Josh. Um, I am 18. No, 17. What am I on about? I'm 18 in January. I've got my own age wrong. Um, yeah. So I live in Yorkshire um, between Leeds and York in a place called Harrogate. Um, and I am a student. Well, six, I'm at sixth form um, studying politics, economics and business studies so um that's what i do on a day-to-day -day basis but um i also help um with lots of church stuff and 
um, with Alice and some other people, we started a um, Christian Instagram account called Living Out, um, which now has over 200 followers or so. Um, so that's kind of what I do a little bit. And then um, Big Bang or Friends. I've got to admit, never actually watched Friends. <laughs> yes. There's gonna be controversy in this. I invited you to come on this with me. Like, <laughs> oh, sorry, Dan. So it's gotta be Big Bang Theory. Although I must admit, I'm not a huge fan. I used to Ed, my brother used to watch it all the time and I used to walk in and be like, Why are you watching this rubbish? Um but it, it would have to be Big Bang Theory, I think. Nice. Dave, Dave, what would be yours? Would you go friends or Big Bang, mate? Uh, Big Bang. I, I've never ever found Friends uh, one funny or two enjoyable. <laughs> really controversial. And, um, yeah, nah. yeah. I'm I'm controversial. I I draw the line quite strongly um, between the two. Dave, that's all right. I respect you as a human being. <laughs> <laughs> I just get a sense that you just you just you just met each other. This might, this may, may not meet again. You damn might have just gone. No, I hope to. I enjoy spending time with people that have completely different beliefs to me. <laughs> We're talking about evangelism. It's probably appropriate to say that he is now yeah. going to. Uh, he is now going to convert you to friends. You know that. He's <laughs> religious. There we are. That's our controversy out of the way, hopefully. <laughs> um, but to start the episode properly, uh, we're going to have a, a little bit of an icebreaker and do uh, one of our regular features. And this uh, week, we start with Bible characters as. Uh, it's the feature where we start with a category and suggest characters from the Bible or perhaps maybe even famous Christians if someone's feeling particularly spicy. Um, who would fit into that category. Um, so today we are suggesting Bible characters as dairy products. Who would like to jump in first with their dairy product suggestions? Um, so I have Peter and Peter is the rock. So he is Roquefort cheese. Roquefort cheese. Okay. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. I mean, I Roquefort like the cheese, cheese. as well. It's good cheese. This couldn't have been a worse topic for me as someone who's lactose intolerant. Oh. <laughs> but because of that, it gives me a good excuse to blame someone else because I went to my dad for this, for his superior um, dairy knowledge and um, Bible knowledge. And this was and the best he could come up with, which I've now stolen, was Elijah would be a flame-grilled cheeseburger. That's quite good. Nice. I mean, there is some dairy in there. Yes. <laughs> Mine would be. I've got multiple multiple P Peter alerted ones, so that I've just I, I only had one, and I've come up with more now. Um, one is cheese slices, because Peter sliced the guy's ear off. Okay. Yeah. Subtle, did, uh, did he wrap it in some cheap foil or plastic afterwards? No, there was no time for that because Jesus just healed the guy's ear, but I'm sure Peter did have plans for that. Um, and 
And then um, I would also say um, Ben and Jerry, similar to um, Alice's, but like Rocky Road, you know, like Peter, The Rock, you know. Mm-hmm. Rocky Road, Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. But my all, all-time favourite would be Milky Way, right? The chocolate bar full of Jerry. Okay. Yeah. Now, this could be twofold. One could be Moses, you know, leading the people out of Egypt. Or it could just be straight up, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus, you know, Milky Way. Nice. And you could also determine, well, what is the chocolate bars that represent truth and life? Deep, that is, isn't it? That's not starting a discussion. Just <laughs> All right. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like All right, this is, yeah, Dan just took this somewhere deep. It's um, deep. Yeah. I go Snickers. Uh, no, um, <laughs> You've got boot boost for life. Boost yeah. for life. Yeah, see what I've done there. And mm-hmm. then for truth, you could go for lion, you know, like Jesus, the lion, you know, all that. Hey, there's a Narnia well. link there as well. Love it. Oh, Narnia, Old Testament, it's all over the show. All over it, mate. Because, of course, Narnia is biblical. May I note this when we get... Oh, it's, it's the third part of the Bible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's called the New New Testament. I, 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 dairy products mess with me. I always think there's, I think there's something around milk generally because milk can be turned into yogurt and it can be moved, turned into cheese. So it's a bit like the Trinity. So mm. tenuous link, tenuous And link. also when, when you said that dairy messes with you, I'm like, well, you might have the same problem as Josh. No, I'm fine with dairy actually. Do you know what? Oh. I can, I can eat it. I just, it just messes with my brain because I, I automatically fall into confectionery really quickly. Like there's a there's a kind of yeah just drops into confectionery quite quickly. Um, I think there's oh there was there was something in my head that but there's there's got to be foods that are there's got to be dairy products that taste better um, after a process. So probably like I I generally think cheese is all right, but like cheddar cheese is better melted. So that's a bit like sauce conversion of Paul. Like it was better after. He was, he was the light that heated it. Surely there's there's a good link there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll take it. Cheese, cheese on toast is rubbish if it's not melted, is it? So The blinding light of the oven. Yeah. Uh, Why not? Has melted his cheese. Dude, I, you, you came with Rocky Road. Come on. So, yeah. um, if you're going to bring that, <laughs> you can't guess what I'm going to bring. It's not fair. We have reached the part of the podcast where we delve into this week's topic, which is evangelism to young people and evangelism by young people. Um, So let's start off our discussion with this question and feel for anybody to jump in on this. Why is evangelism, especially to young people, so important? The statistics tell us that, um, and have done for years and years and years, that the general broad brushstroke is most people come to faith before the age of 18. And so evangelism to young people is incredibly important. I think the challenge that we face in the church in the UK is is that evangelism is seen as this either a project or something that someone does that is an evangelist, quote unquote, um, or is something we do at a certain point in the year. Whereas actually... 
a lot of people's stories is it was a journey to coming to know Jesus. So actually, evangelism is much more a part of discipleship than it is a project that we do in the year. And I think that's the big shift that we have to think about and have to see is actually not discipleship and evangelism or even discipleship versus evangelism, but actually it's about evangelism as part of our discipleship of young people. How are we communicating the gospel? What, you know, are we giving opportunities for young people to respond to the gospel? And are we empowering and equipping them to share the gospel? So actually not just evangelizing the group of young people that are engaging with our local church con or our youth work context, but then also um, empowering, uh, thinking about how we reach out beyond that context, um, us as youth workers, but then also equipping the young people in their schools, streets and their social media. Um, I'll, I'll chip in at this moment in time and just say the stats that Dan's talking about, there was one recently on the last couple of years called Mapping Practicing Christians. And it said that 76% of Christians came to faith before the age of 18. Um, so those people that would say now kind of later in life that they identify themselves as Christians, that they follow Jesus, the six, 76% of them came to faith before that, um, before the age of 18, which is, which is hugely, it's a massive stat, isn't it? So. Um, so yeah, just thought I'd, thought I'd act, like we knew it. I, I knew the stat was there, so I thought I'd throw that in. Yeah. So for me, I knew that it was really important that as a young person, I would share with my faith with other young people that I knew. So when I was in sixth form, I went to a youth club, and I didn't really know anyone there. Um, and it was really good, but I didn't know anyone. And so I was like, I'm going to invite some friends. I invited some of my non-Christian friends. And although the um, youth workers that were running it, they really did some great stuff telling us about Jesus and telling my friends. And they were really a big part. If I hadn't, as that young person, stepped out and talked to my friends and had those conversations afterwards with their questions and the things that we were talking about with Jesus and shared with them my own experience as a young person living my life for God, then I don't think it would have had the same effect. And my friends, eventually, they kept coming to youth and they got saved, which is so exciting. Um, and I just think it's so important that we empower young people and encourage them and tell them that they can play a big part in sharing their faith with their friends. Because so often I think young people can think that it's up to the job of youth pastors, youth leaders, that they don't need to do anything that adults can do all. Um, but actually, it's so important that they share with them for their friends themselves, because that's who their friends want to listen to. They don't want to listen to someone that they don't know, or if they've not gone to that youth group or gone to that church, they're not even going to hear it. So you, we can bring the gospel right where those young people are, where youth workers don't have that opportunity. Um, and so that's why it's so important that we just encourage them. I went to Amplify, um, which Dan organises, uh, which is the Young Evangelist Academy. Um, and I went kind of not really thinking I was an evangelist and being a little bit scared by evangelism and thinking, oh, I'm not one of those weirdos, that sort of thing. And that's, that was a very sort of secular um, oh, can't say the word, but very much the sort of atheistic point of view that had been driven into me by a lot of friends and um, different people in my life. So I, I went with that sort of attitude. And then as the weekend went on and I was there and I was like, oh, no, I am one, aren't I? Um, so that was kind of my story of realizing that evangelist, like I was an evangelist. And then 
that then started a journey of asking actually is this something that i want to do is this something that i have to do is this something that god is calling me to why should i share my faith and then i ended up coming out with a sort of three-pronged answer really and the first one was quite simply the bible says to do um i believe that the bible is very clear that we are to make disciples of all nations um and to share um the hope of god and then the second was this vision i had and it was sort of the idea of the end of almost like the end of time when the sheep and the goats separated when people were put to the left and the right and it was a vision of me almost looking through a fence and seeing people on the other side and then i just felt this absolute sinking feeling and i think what it made me realize was that's what i'm going to feel on that day or that's what god's going to feel on that day and then i was i'm terrified that somebody on the other side says why didn't we tell you why didn't you tell me and if I tell people and then they decide that that's not something for them, then that's fine. And then my third one was, I think people need the hope of God. Um, I think the best way to illustrate this is a story. I was sat in the school library um, the other day and I sat there and then I heard someone on another table say, um, I only get high when I want to kill myself. And I heard that and I was like, if that's what the story for a lot of our young people is, and that is, that is the brutal fact that that's the story for hundreds of thousands of young people, probably even millions, I think over 50% probably easily are struggling with that sort of thing, that sort of thought of their, their get out mechanisms is drinking, drugs, sex, partying. But the hope that we have in God that actually he is the way to life in all fullness is a message which is even more potent. And so that those were the three things that I came out with why um you know evangelism was actually important for me and why i wanted to do it so the great commission and we we've touched on it already uh with uh some of the things that people have said the great commission says that we're to preach the good news but the bible makes it clear that some people are called especially to be evangelists so i think it would be helpful to go through the differences between what is an evangelist and the evangelism that we are all called to do as uh, followers of Jesus. For me, the difference between evangelism and being an evangelist is that for me, evangelism is just sharing the gospel with people. Anyone can do this. We're all called to do this. You were talking about all the scripture that's behind that. um, And I totally believe in that. Whereas I think an evangelist is someone that's particularly called by God and been given that gifting um of being an evangelism and sharing the gospel with people um and i think i really like the analogy of it's a bit like you're on a football pitch and you've got all these players and any of them can score the goal any of them can share their faith with someone and maybe that person might become saved but there are the strikers that they're particularly gifted they're going to score a lot of those goals but i think what's important to remember is that goalie okay Maybe they're not going to be scoring the goals all the time, but we should still invest in them. We shouldn't forget about them. And if there was a clear goal, why wouldn't we let them go and kick that goal in? Why why shouldn't they share the gospel with someone if they have that opportunity, if they feel it's right, they feel God's saying that's the right thing. Um, we should always take the opportunity if it's there. I think for me, um, scripture is really helpful with this because there's some really big calls Jesus makes to the whole church. You know, Matthew 28, 
go into all the world and make disciples, great. And, and obviously that is widely interpreted in so many different ways, beautifully as well, by so many different parts of the church. Amazing. But then there's some others that I would say are more overtly what some people in Western Christianity would see as overtly evangelistic. Acts 1.8, you're called to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and you will receive the power of my Holy Spirit to do so. And then also in Mark 16, where Jesus says kind of another version of the Great Commission, these different versions we have is go preach the good news to all creation. So there's some really clear cause. Okay, so like, so you read, you know, Mark 16, you go, okay, well, I'm not a preacher. So does that include me? There's some really simple thoughts in that are, well, all our lives can be a preach and the platform that we preach from is our life and different things, you know, our social media, our workplace, our street, you know, all these different platforms, opportunities God's given us. The witnessing thing, I guess, like people have talked about that for a long time in churches, you know, and challenged their whole church congregation, whole church communities, and probably whole church youth group. Like, you know, my dad would say, you know, or maybe my granddad would say, well, how's your witness? You know, it's just like, you know, how are you sharing Jesus? You know, I think there's some real clarity there Jesus gives around. We're all called to communicate the gospel. But then there's this verse in Ephesians 4, which talks about what people commonly know as the fivefold ministry gifts. And I think that's where, you know, we hear some are called to be prophets, some are called to be teachers slash preachers, some are called to be pastors, some are called to be apostles, and some are evangelists. And um, I think sometimes when people read that and go, great, yeah, we've got these like national evangelists or people that come to our church and are evangelists. And I think that's brilliant. But I would say we have done um, not a great job in the UK at raising up fivefold evangelists, just as it says in that scripture, because the second part of the verse is to equip the saints for works of service, to equip the church for works of service. But then also the evangelist is to equip the church for works of service, to equip the church for works of evangelism, witnessing, you know, as Jesus says, preaching of the good news, as the scriptures say. And I think sometimes what we we do is, is go, hey, evangelist, come here and do our evangelism for us, or at best, we will get the non-Christians in a room for you and you preach to them and you better get them saved, otherwise we ain't paying you. You know, that's kind of where it's at. Like that's kind of, that that is some people's mentality, you know. George, you know, partly joking there, but actually, yes, the evangelist is to be the greatest example of what it is to do evangelism. The pastor is to be the greatest example of what it is to pastor, preach, you know. They are to be the greatest example. So, yes, they should be the best at it in those giftings. But then also, but the big thing is in that verse is to equip the saints for works of service. And so what, you know, in this country, how can we better use the evangelists? Because I think it's not necessarily a lot of time their fault to equip the rest of the church to do evangelism. And so we're really keen with what we're doing with Amplify and Josh and Alice. We've been part of that last year and Josh is on the second year now. Analysis is helping doing some other stuff with it. That actually, what does it look like to raise up the next wave of evangelists? I suppose I'd put, like, we all have the same command, commandments, but maybe not all have the same gifts. And I guess I'm, something I was thinking about is that we, in evangelism and what our society needs is a counter-narrative, I think. And that I think that as like evangelism is sharing that counter narrative, but some people are going to shout louder about it naturally. I think some people are going to find it easier to shout louder, uh, to live that life. But in everything that we do, we all are 
evangelism. And I, I always worry about evangelists is that uh, departmenting our responsibility to share the gospel a little bit. Are we like subcontracting it out? Um, I'll, I'll pay you to do it for me almost, which I'm, that's a, probably a very unpopular opinion in the church, but um, I definitely think that that is something that we need to think about and we need to be looking for, you know, those fruits of good works of evangelism in our faith. And hopefully that's a really good sign uh, that our faith is solid and uh, a saving faith. Yes. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is equally might be an unpopular opinion in other in other places as well. But I think there's also something where actually the more you share your faith, the more you grow into it. Like actually, there's something of mm. there's, there's something about that, isn't there? Like um, Dan and I have had the, the 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 pleasure and the privilege of working together on a few few things like this. Where when we go and and I know Dan's got way more experience than I have on this, but when you take groups of young people out and and not in a kind of not as we've talked about kind of a, hey, we're going to do a week and it's a project, but actually creating opportunities for young people to be put in that position to share their faith or to, or, or given kind of means by which to start that conversation. The, what we find is we take young people out and when they start sharing their faith, those that feel like they're the most, um, even the most nervous, feel like, actually, uh, no, I know what I'm sharing. And, and the more that you do it, actually, and I think sometimes we go, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an evangelist. But actually, when we step out, we go, well, actually, yeah, yeah, I am. And I think there is something that, like, just even just taking that step. And I think it's that, I think sometimes we are so scared within evangelism of rejection. It feels like someone's reflect, like, is rejecting me. But in reality, actually, like, God is big enough, um, big enough to kind of defend himself. And actually, when someone comes at us and goes, oh, no, I don't believe that. And I go, uh, uh, you go okay. That's 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 fine. Like God, God, God's shoulders are big enough to take that. Um, but actually, for us to step out and to take that step is just massive. And I think the more we do it, it there is a confidence in it, isn't there? And I think that's one of the things that is is really tricky with evangelism. Is it is like I need to step out and just do it, and actually my confidence will grow. I mean, I definitely feel from sort of going around and just living life in general that the Christian way of living now is so countercultural that it so stands out. It's such a narrow path that we walk that even if any Christian just happens to be walking that narrow path and happens to be living like the Christian life, it stands out. And so I think evangelism is probably easier than ever in the sense that we just have to be who God's called us to be and then people are going to notice and ask questions about it. Um and I've, I found that in school, people have asked, like, why don't you do some things? Why don't you go and get, like, and drink a lot and things? And that's just easy things where you've then got a chance to say, actually, because I believe that um, I can find my peace and my love in something else. And that I, like, I enjoy my, like, being, if that makes sense. Um, and that is quite almost countercultural. People are like, well, you enjoy being yourself. You enjoy that and people are quite surprised by that i think so uh, yeah don't know what other people think about that but i'd say that um there was a greater searching and and having had conversations with guys at fusion we had some stu stu a student episode a few uh few episodes ago and you'll know like well people have heard that like you know young people are are looking when they're going to uni it's like a i'll try church out because i've tried rugby and and i've tried ultimate frisbee and i've tried knitting i'll try church um but actually, there's 
the, the advantage we have is that this this particular generation of young people comes with a, with a, a lesser preconceived idea of who Jesus is or what the church is. And so therefore, actually, what we what we are is going in with a completely, yeah, completely countercultural, completely different um, Jesus to the one that people have maybe got in their head or idea of the church of what people have got in their head. And that you better go. No, this is this is this is life changing, not this is something I grew up with and I rejected because I thought it was boring and it was just singing hymns or it was just doing this or whatever those arguments that people will say. Uh, from time that, that they've put them off church they're not just saying those things because actually there's there's a there's a blanker slate there for us for us to be able to go and say there is hope in the midst of what you see in the midst of this hopelessness in unfe- feeling unloved there is love and that's and that can that can completely change the picture for people particularly when it's is as an opportunity to say something where there's no no preconceived idea from my experience of talking to people and talking to people in school that there's like two main areas where it seems that people are being put off Christianity or they don't reasons they're not Christians is the rules and the reality of it. So they don't like what they hear some of the rules are and they don't agree with it and it doesn't go along with them and they want to do this sort of thing and that sort of thing. Um, and then the reality of it is Jesus true because there's been a massive, I think Dawkins had his, uh, not Dawkins, um, Oh, what's his name? You know, the prominent atheists that we've had over the last few years have really managed to put in that seed and that underlyingness of God's not real, you're crazy. And to be able to actually, from what I've, from conversations I've had where I've been able to give a logical response to young, like to young people my age, that has really, I think that's interested them. so yeah, I think those two things, I don't know what other people think of those two things, like the rules and the reality of it. Are those other things that you sort of come across? I don't know. I think from my experience, I've definitely seen both of those cases um, with different people that I've spoken to. But I think what's really interesting is that people are genuinely interested. You know, they have questions that they want you to answer. Um, and it's such a privilege to be able to be like, yeah, I'm a young person too, and I do believe these things. And here's why. Here's how, to the best of my ability, I can answer your questions. Um, and I just, I find it so intriguing that there is that kind of um, inquisitive mind that's still there asking these questions, not just like, oh, it's a load of rubbish. I don't even care. I don't want to know. But actually, m- the friend that I had that was the strongest atheist had the most questions, and she was most interested to know. Um, which I just think is so cool. And to have that opportunity to actually answer those questions and not um, just to have no no opportunity to say it or to say what you believe, because some people just won't ask you and then you've got to find those opportunities. But they were given to me, which is amazing. For many people, and I know uh, I can be included in this, when I was a young person and we were doing like spiritual gifts tests and things like that, I was always like, Please don't let it be evangelism. Please don't let it be evangelism. Because I was so introverted. The idea of going out and speaking to somebody about Jesus just absolutely terrified me. And I'm sure there were probably a load of other young people who are just like I was. Let's try and be practical. Like, What are some of the practical ways to help people? And this may be even some of the youth workers or volunteers who are listening to this now, 
what are some of the practical ways that you have to help someone who's in that maybe kind of that fear position of I don't I don't know if I can go out I don't want to push my faith on anyone I don't want to be kind of labeled in this way or rejected in this way what are some of the practical ways that we can kind of help them be able to take that step and share their faith I think I would say that um it's really important that before you go out you think about it you know do you know the gospel do you know it well can you practice it can you think about how it relates to your own story do you know your own story and can you tell people that story um and relate it to them and then when you're going out can you be authentic can you be open with people um in sharing that and if you know your story, then when you get to that opportunity where it's like, oh, do I share this? Do I not? Do I step back? Then you, it takes away that fear of, will I have the words? All you've got to do is actually say it, which I know it's easier said than done, but it does take away some of the fear and some of the worries that might be there. Um, I think as well, it's also important to think about who do you know? Who can you share with? Um, I'm kind of thinking about a plan of that and also like praying is so important um i think people think oh let's go 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 but actually it's so important to pray um before but also for opportunities um and like why wouldn't god want to answer that prayer and give you an opportunity to share jesus with someone so it's so important that we do that something practical if you really want to get out and show your faith and you want the opportunity and you want it to come to you is you could quite often in like my but when I'm just in school and things, there are quite often things which are statements which are quite like counter-Christian or um, question what Christianity should be doing and things. So I found that just sort of giving a counter-response like to that is a great way to be able to share a faith without trying to not come across as being like pushing it onto people. So even yesterday in a politics lesson, they were talking about something and they were saying oh christians should have more scrutiny for getting a certain job and i was like hang on a minute i was like i actually disagree with that so just being able to do that and then being able to talk about why christians from that i was able to talk about why christians believe that everyone is fundamentally loved and created in the image of god and things like that which they didn't come across as i'm being like oh you're loved you're made in the image of god it came across as me being like this is my worldview this is what i'm defending and that kind of, and you know, not in a pushy way or an argumentative way, because I used to do that. I was like, I want to win this argument. But just giving that sort of, that other side of the argument, I think is a great way that people can easily open the door to talk about God. Yeah, I, I'm going to dive in before Dan does, because Dan will have loads of stuff. So um, <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. I think, and I touched on it earlier, I think sometimes it's, it is from a really practical perspective, is, is actually creating opportunities. So sometimes we said it can't be confined, like sharing faith can't be confined to a week or it can't be confined to a project or it can't be. But those projects and those weeks can be like great tools for growing confidence, for learning how to like make mistakes, to know someone's got your back, to um, to just kind of, uh, kind of create, just know different ways, like even just be sure of like how you share your faith. Like there's, as Alice said, like thinking about it beforehand, there's there's definitely is there's thinking about it, there's practicing it, and then there's standing in front of someone going, "Do you know you're loved?" <laughs> and they go, "Yeah, actually." And you go, uh, "Okay." And like, and there's something about it. There's that step, isn't there? And, it, and I think 
sometimes creating those those perspectives both for youth workers both like just to kind of just be able to like get out there but particularly for young people to grow in that confidence and, and i think there's like from a really practical perspective um and, a, and i guess kind of a resourcing perspective there's loads of there's loads of resourcing out there in terms of resource i'll say this we've got um you know people are really looking for online youth evangelism resources and we created a page right at the start of the pandemic called online youth evangelism resources <laughs> on our website hope together in the youth section and it is, it is just what it's intended. And we just thought, let's celebrate what's out there. So if you want a list of things, there's a list of things on there. And we keep updating that and adding to that. Um, but I think that, you know, we need to look at how do we get back to getting alongside young people. Online's great. We need to understand young people live in three main worlds, social media and the online, the school and the streets. And the street is the main opportunity and school that we actually get to physically be alongside them. So I think as soon as we can get back to doing some more of that stuff, not back, but actually being able to do more of that stuff, then actually it's going to be great discipleship opportunities. It is much harder to disciple a young person in evangelism and mission, missional thinking and missional living over social media as they do it. They see you do it, and there's a bit of I show you, you show me kind of stuff, but it's much easier in the moment when they see you get sworn at by someone for asking if they want prayer. You know, that's always a great moment. Um, you know, and all those kind of moments of of just having a go with young people and helping them to experience God for themselves so that they don't live off your faith as a youth worker and they don't live off the parents' faith. Um, but then I think for some of us, and the final thing I say is this, for some of us, we one of those great resources called Mission Academy Live. So if you want a great video series, it's free, 10-part video series, trains young people how to share their faith. A bunch of different organizations put it together, including the Church of England, um, and as my friend Yemi says, the one true church, um, and uh, which is amazing. And um, that's check that out. That's on our website. I mentioned kind of apps free, available. You file for style, but the content is training young people in the videos. But the content is training young people. I've shared a face. And then I would say this is around Amplify, which we mentioned before, which Josh and I was a part of. There's some young people that you will see in your youth ministry as you do these things, as you train, as you equip. You know, Mission Academy Live, go out on the streets, do all these different things that just right they they just do they just they're just like so on this and so passionate. And maybe, just maybe they've got the gift of the evangelist upon their life. And so that's why we created Amplify, because we wanted an in situ program that serves the local church, but doesn't remove young people from it. Um, there's lots of great things that can go and do when they're 18, like Mission Academy pays, other things have been mentioned. But actually, what is it for them 17 to train them in their situation to be evangelists, to equip their peers to share their faith, but then also to be that example and have, you know, be the best having a go as evangelism. So, yeah, check it out. Send you a person on it. It's maximum two young people per church because we know actually not every, every church is full of young evangelists, but it's actually about how do we equip that local church. And so it's all based around serving the local church. Um, it's not another thing to bush young people to. And actually, it's not something that's really put on a big screen in youth ministry because it's, it's those individual one-to-one conversations to invite them to do it. So yeah, we want to serve in, in that way. Similarly, if you're a youth leader, youth worker, if you're a church leader, if you're a children's leader and you want to kind of uh, delve into and explore how better to communicate the gospel to young people and connect with young people in that way, 
Um, I would love to tell you about the Youth Evangelism Conference. It takes place at the end of Feb, beginning of March each year. Um, in fact, it's just been this year. 2021's was a couple of weeks ago. Um, really good day, all online. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Great keynote speakers, seminars that were really specific um, and seem to be really well received and are spot on for where we are right now. The exciting thing is, is next year's is already being advertised so you can... Um, in fact, bookings are open, so you can get yourself onto that and book. Have a look, find out. I think it's theyek.uk, um, and that will tell you all the details and how to book. So we're nearing the end of our podcast, but before we go, we have a weekly challenge feature for our guests to take part in. It's called Theology in 60 Seconds. Now, the rules are very simple. Each guest has 60 seconds to explain an aspect of the Christian faith or potentially a Christianese term, uh, because us Christians, we love our special long words, don't we? Um, in only 60 seconds. And uh, to help them along the way, we have this uh, uh, very helpful and not at all off-putting ticking timer uh, sound effect uh, that we'll put in the background. This week, we are going to have Dan sitting out of this one, and we're going to have Josh and Alice. So our topic this week is God's love, and Alice is going to go first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say. Uh, your time starts in three, two, one, go. For me, God's love is exactly who God is. As it says in 1 John, God is love. But this doesn't mean that we should think that God is like the imperfect love that we see in our world all around us. Instead, we should be using God as a standard of what love should be. His love is perfect and it's unchanging and it extends to everyone and anyone, no matter who you are or what you've done. There's nothing you can do will mean that God won't love you. Everything God does is out of a motive of love. He helps us because he loves us. But also, as it says in the Bible, the Lord also disciplines the one he loves. And all of this is done completely out of his love. He even went as far as sending his one and only son down to the earth to die on a cross, to pay the ultimate price so that our sins could be forgiven and we could live in a relationship with him. All because he loves us that much and wants us to be adopted into his kingdom. And so for me, that is God's love. Wow. Oh, is that Bob? <laughs> That's bang on the time. <laughs> Mic drop <Dude>. moment. <laughs> well done. Gosh, oh, man, yeah. If nothing else, that just that time. Just the because mm -hmm. oh, we all know if you don't present the gospel in exactly sixty seconds, that's it. <laughs> That was that was awesome. That was cool. pretty good job. Good work. <laughs> okay, uh, Josh, how are you feeling having to follow? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm terrified. No, <laughs> what I've done is nowhere near as good. Yeah. 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 There'll be no winners or losers oh. in this one. Just look. Amen. Amen. So. <laughs> we'll be good. Right. Uh, are you ready? Yes. I'm He's there. ready. Brilliant. All right, your time starts in three, yeah. <laughs> two, one, go.
Yeah, so I think in my life and my understanding of God's love and basically the story of how I've experienced God's love is this idea that in my life I've done quite a lot of quite stupid things and done some really made some really, really big mistakes. And each time I've done that and made those mistakes, it's almost like I have built myself a punishment or if you want, let's use the analogy of the cross, that I built myself a cross. But for me, God's love is the fact that as I go to take that punishment, as I go to wear the cross, which I deserve, I find that it's already been taken. And that it's been taken by the Son of God who loves me. And that is love and that this guy has paid the ultimate sacrifice. And, you know, that, uh, that uh, verse in the Bible where it's, um, greater love has none than this, to lay down one life, one's life for one's friend. And that's the big thing for me, that God laid down his life. And that is what love is. I can't imagine anyone else loving me enough um, to lay down their life for me. So, yeah, that's why I'd say that my cross has been taken. Boom! That is where love I find it. God's love. Nice. That's all we have time for in this episode. So a big thank you to our guests, Dan Randall, Alice Pepper, and Josh Taylor. You can find out more about them and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, which can be downloaded from the resources area of our website, bdeducation.org.uk. And whilst you're there, you can discover all of the fantastic youth resources we have on offer. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your device so you can keep up to date with all our episodes and we'd love to hear what you think of the show so please do rate and review it in the Apple Store or get in touch with us on Instagram at youthworkstateofmind. That's all for now but we'll see you again in two weeks time for an episode on sports or active outreach and ministry. Thanks for listening to this episode of the YouthWork State of Mind podcast. It was a Blackburn Diocese Board of Education production. It was produced by Ben Green and David Harris with music from Purple Planet. You can listen to more of their music at purple-planet.com. Special thanks to Dan Randall, Alice Pepper and Josh Taylor for joining us on this episode. For more episodes, show notes and excellent youth work resources, visit our website bdeducation.org.uk and make sure you follow us on Instagram at youthworkstateofmind to be kept up to date with youth work where you are.